0: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: He is just an obsessive goal scorer.
2: Well, they have to understand I just to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the blinks it back. I've got a
1: problem with soccer free throwing Oh, what a start! They
3: can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. All right, let's be having you everybody. Welcome to House of Champions. YouTube friends, dropping your comments and questions in that chat, and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we get stuck into the Champions League. We're reviewing today's quarterfinals. Second legs in the House of Champions today. There he is, Nigel Rio Coker, Michael Lahood. How you boys doing? Nigel, all right? I'm great, mate. I'm great. Do you know, um, Ian, have
2: you ever told the people listening what the Let's Be Having You Shout is about? What it's, where it's famous from? Mm. Take it. Take it away. You take it. You're the one that says it. I don't know host. You're the host. You just tell let the fans know where it comes from. <laughs> no, because they already know.
3: Uh, no, they Michael Luna, how are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing good. Enjoyed the matches. Enjoying whatever's in Nigel's hands, can or whatever he's having off camera. Can't wait for the show. Michael me while you show it, Nigel. Me. Don't calling show me out? It,
3: Nigel. Like, no. <laughs> anyway, for the fans listening,
2: Ian's Let's Be Having You is Delia Smith, famous from her shout
3: at halftime for Norwich FC when they were in the Premier League. Mm. There you go. Yep. Thank you very much, very much, Nigel. And um, I'm glad you mentioned Norwich City as well. Can you tell her what uh, her affiliation to Norwich City was? Can you tell everyone? She's the she was the owner of Norwich City FC, Delia Smith, famous chef. Can you tell everybody who Norwich City are, please? Can <laughs> we, we talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The- All oh. right. <laughs> Welcome to the after-hours edition of House of Champions with Nigel Rio-Coker and Michael Udwa. We'll James Bench joining us live from Stamford Bridge a little bit later on in the show. Let's get into it, boys. Of course, it is the Champions League quarterfinals, second legs. Napoli against Milan is where we're going to begin before we do turn our attention to the game at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Real Madrid. Uh, Michael Lewis I'm coming to you first on this one because obviously we were all pretty high with awesome and being back in the lineup he did get on the score sheet he had a couple of chances maybe a bit frustration in his game but this in my personal opinion was down to Milan what Mm. Milan did their game plan going in there missing a penalty kick obviously wasn't in the
1: game plan but they managed to get the job done end of story that's all that matters they were playing with a swagger and swagger that comes from having gotten a massive result in Syria. I know the Champions League and Syria usually don't mix or overlap, but when you're playing the same team that you dominated at their stadium, albeit it wasn't the same sort of stakes on the line, but it is the same Rafael layout that dominated the game, scored goals, assisted in that 4 0 drubbing picked up where he left off. It was the same layout that was at the heart of things in the first leg. Raheem Diaz gets the assist in this game. Rafa Leal, he picks it up and Dombly is the one that has the heavy touch. You have to go what he did. You have to go. Three quarters of the length of the field to beat three players. It was like watching a video game system or almost, I think, Luis Miguel Atcheguere, former member of House of Champions, said it best. It was like watching Super Mario when he eats the star and is on a freaking boost heading towards the goal. This kid, Ian, you said he was class. He is world class. Yeah, that last little boost there to get past the last
3: defender and get that last contact on the ball before he slipped it across to to Giroud was sensational. I mean, the turn of pace, outstanding. Nigel, you had mentioned yesterday about obviously Italy and Serie A. I think it was James who mentioned it. Sorry, not you. I think it was James. He had mentioned about Serie A not having you know that star that could maybe challenge for a Ballon d'Or or something yeah. like that. But Rafa Leal with his performances recently, maybe not at that standard just yet, but certainly on his way to being one of the world's best if he's not already there?
2: Well, we all know, Ian, as much as I love James, we take James at 70% only. Because <laughs> I have been a big fan of Rafael Leal. I've said it here plenty of times. I said, potentially, he has the ability to be one of the best players in the world. What Rafael Leal doesn't do to get to that stage is do it consistent enough every single game, every minute. Because what you saw there of how he created AC Milan's goal... Is something he's capable of doing every time he gets the ball, if he chooses to. That's the difference because he has the ability. There's no doubt in his ability. It's if he has the mentality to say, I'm going to do it every time to embarrass you. And just to give an example, I know we're going to move on to it later. This is the two examples of two of the best young players in world football Mm -hmm. right now. Rafael Leo and Vinicius Jr. When you look at Vinicius Jr. and the arrogance that he shows... Every time he gets the ball, he wants to embarrass his impo- opponents and show to the world why he's one of the best players. Rafael Leal has the ability to do that every time, but he just doesn't do it. He ch- do you he think it's a confidence run. thing, Nigel, or do you think it's, it's just not, a mentality like you said? It's a confidence thing. It's a character personality thing. That's character. the thing. Hmm. So a manager, a, a player like that has to be around the right manager. But for me, just to go back to what you said, Ian, I look at this game yep. like this. And I had a comment from Ali uh, Ali A., Nigel in the mud for hyping Napoli. <laughs> I'm coming against you, Ali, because I'm not in the mud. Let's be real. AC Milan did not brush past Napoli like it was that This tie was still always active. The difference was Napoli Propagame. were not scoring as freely yeah. as they were early on in the season. And this is yes. one thing I always say, Ali A, this is my thing about this. This is what happens when you have a team coached so well into a system. When teams work you out, when good teams, good clubs with top players work you out and work your system, they will make your system become irrelevant. And that's why I'm always a big fan about yes, you have a certain style of play, but you still got to give players that freedom and belief to work within that style to be individuals and create things and make things happen. All that happened to Napoli for me is AC Milan, like you said, Ian, have their numbers, worked out their system
3: and style and how to completely and nullify their threats. Aaron Dam is having absolutely none of it, Nigel. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yak, yak, yak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Appreciate you, Aaron Dam, for jumping in the comments That's to get to brilliant. more of them a little bit later on. Here's a reminder to everybody of the result tonight. Obviously, Napoli trying to get that job done and make a comeback, but AC Milan getting the early goal after missing a penalty kick. 23 minutes into the game, Olivia Giroud, missing that penalty kick. It was a save by um, Alex Murray. He's the first goalkeeper to save a UEFA Champions League penalty kick against AC Milan since Jersey Dudek did it against Andrei Ooh. Shevchenko in 2004. Five oh, cool. final shootouts cool, a yeah. long time um, and how about this one Olivia Giroud that was only his second ever penalty kick miss he has taken 28 hmm. penalty kicks the last one he missed was back in 2012 against a former teammate of mine from Trumman Rovers maybe you guys don't know him as well Joe Murphy he was Coventry City's goalkeeper yeah. at the time Irish international Olivier Giroud did get his goal 43 minutes into the game after that wonderful assist from Rafa Leal and then into the second half we went when a missed penalty kick by Kvart Shkelia, hmm. saved by Magnan quality save by Magnan, but it's still a missed penalty kick in the 82nd minute would have made it a thrilling, thrilling finish. They did get their goal in the 90-plus minute from Victor Osman. He's 26th goal across all competitions. Lovely cross from Raspadori. However, it was all about Osman and the power of that header. Goalkeeper Magnan could not keep this one out there. But at the end of the day, the stats will always say that AC Milan went through. And that's all... That matters. Let me get to some of the comments here because there's a lot of disappointed people out there. Bello jumping in and saying, I'm disappointed in Napoli today. I thought they were going to wipe Milan and proceed into the semi-final." Well, it's good to have a Milan derby in the semi-final. Be very careful what you wish for. Still got one hmm. game to go on that one. We have also Victory George jumping in and saying, why, why did Kvara take that penalty kick there? He was terrible tonight. Mike, do you mind if I ask you this one as well? Kvara... Yeah against Milan has struggled. You mentioned it on the show yesterday. It just looks like Milan have his number. Calabria today was outstanding once again. But Kvara not at his best. Normally that one where he gets past uh, Calabria for the first time in the second half, I think it was like 30 seconds into the second half, he put it in the back of the
1: net. Not his opponent, not his day today. No, And I've seen a key to success and a formula that teams have used that have gotten the better of Napoli the few times they have this season. It's being physical with Cavada Scalia. He does not like contact. He's wily. He can scrape going to those right-hand side like he does a lot of times. But what Milan did and Calabria did so well, they forced him down his left. He's very right-footed. He's a player that was almost trying to force the issue and saying, I want that penalty kick. I want to right the wrongs of not getting that goal. That is a a selfish moment for you. You got to let your talisman take the penalty kick. That's Victor osaman I'm talking about. Not you, because by Escalia. we've talked about this one-two punch, Batman and Robin. osaman the masked marauder, he is Batman. He's got the black mask for crying out loud. He is Batman and he should have taken it. I think that could have been a different story and a different ending if they get that goal sooner. You saw the crowd getting into it once they got that goal, but time ran out and Milan, the deserved winners.
2: Yeah, I'd have to, I, I agree with you, Mike. But I think when I look at this game overall, Napoli started fantastically well. Again, we talked about when you're so reliant on your system, teams work a way to nullify that threat and give credit to AC Milan. They were sensational. Like Ian said, heavily right-footed. He comes inside. They know what they're going to do. They double him up. Even in Ossiman, if you look at the times when Carrasquilla was out wide, Ossiman was doubled up with two yeah. AC Milan defenders right tight on him. And the times when Napoli got forward, Napoli remind me a little bit of an Arsenal back in the day in the Premier League under Arsene Wenger. They'll get to the byline and they try and cut that ball back to an unrunning midfielder. AC Milan were well positioned to nullify that threat again. This is the time where, for me, you have Victor Osserman. Change your game slightly. Put crosses into the box. Let Kuala Skale be putting crosses into the box to stretch out that AC Milan defence to open up the gaps or the space. Correct. But when you stay so dominant on your system and your style, good teams will make it very hard for you. And that's what AC Milan did. And again, let's be real. As much as we talk about Kuala Scali and Osman, Rafael Leal is still one of the top players in European football. There's a reason why he could be one of the highest paid players in in Serie A. And there's a reason why other clubs are monitoring his situation. So they do have their match win in the end. So that's what I love about it. But for me also, I feel for me, a a big moment in the game that was missed was a penalty that I believe for Napoli should have been given as a penalty against... They went Raphael Leal because, in my opinion, when I look at that, he this did is the catch one with uh, Chucky Ch-
3: Ch- 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 Lozano. Yeah, yes, yeah. he yeah. caught yeah. the there standing
2: leg before he can strike the ball. He did not touch the ball. I don't. And if if Rafael Leal's that. one was a penalty after he's passed the ball already, mm-hmm. this was a penalty that was
1: definitely missed by VAR. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't see it that way because that would have been such a harsh penalty to give. It was just. Oh wait, millimeters. So Rafael Leal From, one wasn't a harsh penalty. This one would have been way harsher. Are you, Mike, he's already I passed think he the got ball. The, I think he got there first. I think he got there just a fraction of a second. There was Mike, one camera angle that I saw. That I think first. he got I'm, there first.
2: He catches the standing leg first. I'm telling you. Watch I think he again. gets
1: ball by millimeters. Then, man, he definitely Jesus. does catch it. I'm not saying he doesn't catch it, but I think he gets there first. It would have been a harsh penalty kick to give.
3: I'm just going to jump in here in between the two of you because I can see it from both points of view. Initially, Mike, I'm with you. I, I see this one in real time. I see it. Yeah, this one is just a great time challenge inside the penalty area, which is always risky to do anyway when you go to ground. But then when you watch it closely, the standing leg actually moves because of the contact from Leo. As soon Thank as he you. makes contact on that standing leg and it moves the foot, it knocks the player off balance. Therefore, in my opinion, that would have been a foul, should have been a foul, should have been a penalty kick. So I, I can see you Uh, There's um, Ian. Stop saying you see both ways, Ian. You just
2: said you see it my way. You're right. He hit the standing leg first in the box. It's a penalty. There's what I'm saying. What I'm saying saying is hold on,
3: hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm grabbing the mic. I'm grabbing the mic. What I'm saying is that I can see your point of view because by the look of it in real time, it looks like he gets the ball cleanly and he just wipes him out but he actually doesn't. He hits the leg first. So therefore, I think it's a penalty kick. And I don't think a lot of people are speaking enough about that being a penalty kick. So I agree with Nigel here. I apologize, Mike, but I can see, you know, obviously there was uh, penalties galore in this game. It was ridiculous. And if any of them had a chance to actually score a penalty kick, we could have had an interesting end in this game as well. (laughs) Go ahead, Nigel. No, I was just
2: going to say, you're right though. In real time, it doesn't look like it, but the whole point of VAR is because of that. And when you look at the VAR again, and I don't understand how they did the penalty check and don't clearly see that he hits... The standing leg first before any kind of contact is made to the ball. And for me personally, I feel Rafael Leal's penalty, AC Milan's penalty in the first half was very harsh as well. Rafael Leal's already played the ball. I'll understand if he hasn't played the ball first. But if he's already played the ball and made his mm. pass, it can't be a penalty. It makes no sense to me because that mm-hmm. wasn't a through ball pass. or an, it, it just doesn't make no sense to me. So I get confused just like our, our fans who comment in there. As much as uh, we're supposed to be experts, I still get confused in this whole VAR shenanigans, which is why I drink tequila.
3: I thought you we were going to say fan, that fan uh, Michael LaHood. I think we are going to say the fan over there in uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, shout out to our AC Milan fans out there who are obviously enjoying what they just witnessed there uh, with AC Milan. And congratulations to you as well. BX Gunner81, Forza Milan, Ali A jumping in and saying AC Milan is UCL heritage. I mean, it's very, very hard to disagree with that in the way that they performed there. Mir Safayet Ramana Beer, he's saying it's Rafael Leao. We are getting out. The eighth Champions League trophy this time around. Forza Milan, Forza Rossanere. Shout out to you as well. Thank you so much for jumping in the comments. And we appreciate everybody out there. But just real quickly before we do go to break, because James is on the other side, quick applause for uh, what Napoli did here, Mike. Mike, just let us yeah. know. I mean, what Napoli did this season, obviously sensational to get to this point. Nobody expected it. Uh, fabulous.
1: Yeah, it does take. Go oh, on. So go match. Mic, so go mic. No, no, go no on mic. I know. Okay, good. It doesn't take away from the dream season that they've had. I said it yesterday in the previews. The question was, I think, from Deontay asking, would this be a failure if they did not win this tie or get through? I do not see this campaign as a failure. Nobody expected them to get to this point. Nobody certainly expected them to do what they're doing in Syria. It is disappointing, given the timing of the injuries to the likes of Victor Osman, the suspension of Kim min That's a player that maybe if Leal makes that run, we've seen Kim min with his pace, just nullify runs like that. But should have, could have, would have been, what might have been, it isn't. It's AC Milan who goes through deserved winners over two legs. And congratulations to Napoli in a few weeks' time for being Serie A champs. That is still a special season.
3: And seed
2: I just want to say, listen, I think it's great, like what Michael said there, just going to add to it, that as much as Napoli are out, They were not brushed aside easily by AC Milan because let's give credit because this was a good footballing game and it was just for Napoli, the ball just didn't end up in the back of the net. And, And AC Milan were the better side tactically, but we can't act like AC Milan completely
3: brushed Napoli aside and it's a great season so far for them. Ah, uh, Mir Safayet uh, jumping back in once again. He's saying proper respect to Napoli. They showed their class today against us. Um, just not their best performance uh, yeah. in the final third, that is for sure. Um, real quickly, Milan, Nigel, would they rather play Benfica or Inter? Because a Milan derby in a semi-final sounds pretty goddamn sexy to me. Ooh. I think a Milan derby is the sexy <laughs> thing. That's that's what
2: Italian football would want. That's what Italian football would need. And I think it would be great for Italian
3: football to get a Milan derby in the semi-finals of the Champions League. That would be sensational. I'm thinking of my good friend who's been on House of Champions before, Matteo Bonetti, right now, just mm, watching that Inter off. Milan game tomorrow, just thinking how great it would be to have a Milan derby in a semi-final with a chance of making it to a Champions League final. Absolutely fantastic stuff. All right, quick break from the boys. Great stuff, as always, as we broke down that first game between Napoli and AC Milan. Congratulations to Milan. They now move on. On the other side, we've got James Benj live from Stamford Bridge as we break down Chelsea and Real Madrid. <laughs> If you're a US-based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription from the NWSL to the Champions League to Serie A and so much more in between. Not sure if it's for you? Then you can try one month for free by using the code NWSL2023. Welcome back in, everybody, to House of Champions. Enjoy Nigel Real Cooker and Michael Hood with you, and we welcome in there. He is live from Stamford Bridge. Our man James Bench. Yes, that's right. The man who predicted that Chelsea would knock Real Madrid out of this competition as he sits at Stamford Bridge right now. How are you feeling, James Bench?
0: We all know it could have gone very differently. Uh, maybe if that Mark Correa shot had gone in, if that Angola Cante shot had gone in, I would be a genius. Um, they said that relying on Chelsea scoring was was probably a bit of a long shot in retrospect. But um, I've had a fun night out. Uh, I actually got here and was told that there was no space for me, uh, that they'd mislaid my application. And I'll be honest, I wasn't really feeling it that much. I was sort of saying to them, like, oh, look, don't worry. Don't, you know, you don't don't go to any hassle for me. Um, they insisted on letting me in. Uh, and actually, I enjoyed this game an awful lot more than I, I thought I would. Uh, and I thought Chelsea were an awful lot better than I thought they would be, uh, and yet they still
3: lost 2 though which tells you about yeah, that season. Benji, James, real quickly before right. I, before I let the lads jump in there because I know they're very very excited to, to get questions <laughs> to you. I've got to ask you about Todd Bowley. We know what happened the last game there when he went in the dressing room in that first forty-five minutes. I thought, my oh my, fire Frank Lampard and put Todd Bowley in charge with the way that they played <laughs> in that first. Class. Any chance this is from producer Des, by the way? Any mm. chance Todd Bowley's made his way into the locker room once again? Um. <laughs>
0: so i'm you can you can see because the way Stamford bridge is structured you kind of can't really do it without coming down from the stand opposite me. we're on the dressing room side there so you can't do it without being seen i have to confess i haven't been watching pitch the whole time and um, but the one thing i'd say is i've been i've been here a fair few times this season and most times i've seen one of egg or Bowley or someone heading in that direction i don't know what you guys think it seems really weird to me i think there's one thing going in as an owner sort of infrequently if you want to say well done after a great performance i don't think that hurts at all and i'm sure well, i'm not certain actually that you guys had that very often in your career but i'm sure but to go in and, uh, and lambast them for embarrassing performances is uh, it's a really daft way to run any organization i know we mm. wouldn't like it if uh, the big boss men came in came into our podcast after we'd done a bad one and we telling them how dreadful we were. Although that would never happen, of course.
1: No, no, not at all. James, Frank Lampard, club legend at Chelsea Football Club, you being at the stadium. Was there any sort of angst or the crowd kind of turning on him a bit as the game went? Because this was a big opportunity missed for Chelsea across two legs.
0: Actually, no, not really. I think it was, it was a much better atmosphere than I thought it would be. And... Certainly, there were moments in that first half, as Ian alluded to, when I think the, the supporters started to believe, and, and honestly, I, I was kind of inching towards being alongside them. You know, what they saw there was what I think they want to see from Chelsea, which is a bit more front-footed football. This wasn't, you know, the stale defensive possession of, uh, of Potter, of the bad days under Tuchel, but they were going for it. They were swinging for the fences. And, you know, in the end, it, it actually all looked a bit it kind of fell back on them and it was a little bit embarrassing that by the final whistle they were they were getting carved apart by madrid but i think in the end chelsea fans appreciate that lampard's team went about this the right way and it's gonna to have to get a lot worse. <laughs> i can't get bad enough over the next seven games for them to turn on lampard because there's nothing to play for between now and the end of the season <laughs> nothing at all
2: james would you question the starting lineup that Frank Lampard put out today, especially this game of this magnitude? Would you reckon that the approach that he did was right? Because for me, honestly, I have no idea how have it still starts for Chelsea because I just don't see what he brings.
0: So that's the only one that after the game I still have questions about. I just really questioned it when I saw the team. And I saw the team coming in on the tube and I was like, God, do I want to watch this 5-4-1? You know, let's try and get a nil 0 draw here so I don't lose again. But actually, I I thought, you know, Chelsea can't create with all their forwards on the pitch. So I think their best chances of getting goals is winning the ball in the Madrid third, in the opposition third, and kind of cutting out all the hard parts, cutting out all the creativity and just scrambling something in. But I do completely agree with you, Nigel, that Havertz doesn't work. I don't know what he's supposed to do. He's all right with his back to goal, but so skittish in front of it. Doesn't really look to take shots. Um, I mean... Camte- he doesn't look interested, James. No. He looks not great. interested
2: at all. But I don't know who I'd play ahead of him because... Madrid came I mean, on. honestly, for me, I would have started Zal Felix ahead of it. I know that, obviously, he hasn't been the greatest, but he's the most likely that will create an opportunity or a chance for everyone else at Chelsea. So, for me, have it starting there. I think... And it's a bit harsh because I don't are you think... Are keeping we, him beyond
0: the... If you're not keeping him beyond the summer, is there any point in starting? Yeah. I, I don't even I, know if you are.
2: But he's still playing for a move somewhere else. So he will perform mm. more so than Havertz, who's there and comfortable and just looks like he's bored of being at Chelsea. I think it's a bit harsh to over-criticise Frank Lampard because like you said, I think this performance to me shows Chelsea need a striker. Chelsea need a real clinical striker. That's what that performance for me showed. Like we said, Chelsea could have been 2-0 up if they had a real striker at by half time, and it would be a complete different game. And on the other hand, it shows what Real Madrid are like. When Real Madrid are comfortable, they're not the best because they were there for the taking in that first half. Real Madrid played their best with their backs against the wall.
3: James, before you jump in here, I just want to let you know that only two managers have qualified for the Champions League semifinals in nine-plus seasons. Pep Guardiola was one, and Carlo Ancelotti is the other one here. But in person, after watching that first half, the two big chances that Chelsea had where you would say you got to take one of them. Realistically, you should take both of them. But Courtois, once again, with the second opportunity from Cucuréa, that was an unbelievable save. We got to see the replays, but what was it like in person for you? And Mm. that must have deflated a little bit of Stamford Bridge, recognizing that was a big chance gone. I think especially with the timing and
0: especially, especially, Mm. especially with the fact this, this crowd hates Courtois, and you had Reeder <laughs> back here, and there it's was you know warm smattering of applause. I'm sure they would have been the same for Aiden Hazard, uh, but because of the way he left, understandably from a crowd's perspective, there is not any warmth to Courtois, despite a, a really good year at Chelsea. Um, and I suspect, I am certain, based on what we know of you know how much he takes offence to what people say, you know what, what magazines where they rank him as. <laughs> In the world, I know he will have raised his game to to frustrate them. That was the other one is the um, the Cante hook shot in the second half that that banks was off hmm. mid. Of I thought I it think. was real
1: Coker. Oh,
2: wait oh, <laughs> <right>. Ian, <laughs> made me go to HR.
0: that's
1: brilliant. Look he
2: has dropped that, an F bomb to start. Uh,
0: I've was
1: seen you that.
0: That was the moment that killed it, though, because you know it was one of those things where if you're at the wrong angle in the ground, it looks like the ball's going in. Hmm. Um, I think when those things happen, the crowd feels, the crowd starts to think and believe and almost create the reality where they know it's just not going to be their day.
1: Yeah, James, Real Madrid, Manchester City, take two. We saw this last year. It yielded the winner of this going to the final and winning the UEFA Champions League. Have you seen anything, or did you see anything in person that leads you to believe that Real Madrid can get the job done against Manchester City? Should City continue what they're doing and get to the semifinal again?
0: Oh, like, I mean, I, I, I've spent—I must—I've spent every one of Madrid's last five European ties on this podcast saying that the English team is going to beat them, and I think eventually, I kind of have to sort Oh, but this city team is the kind of the best one that they've come up against, assuming up. it is them. I what strikes you is just the um the game intelligence of these players, though their ability. And I know this isn't like stunning news to say that Luka Modric picks up really intelligent positions, but even when Chelsea were playing well- You could see Modric was putting himself in these positions where it wasn't, you know, James didn't know what... Chelsea had made things complicated by trying to put Fafana kind of on his own against Vinicius and really use Rhys James as a right winner. Modric had, within five minutes, he'd worked out where the space was, where the danger was, what he could do. It never came to anything. But when you kind of get to see the game in person, you, you do get to spot these moments that you're like, this could be a thing. And I think that is where... Chelsea uh, city can really get hurt is they will complicate things madrid are smart enough to see through those complications i would still pick city though and i know it's going to (laughs) backfire on me
2: james i was going to ask you a question but after your last statement there, i'm not going to ask you anything i'm sure we're going to (laughs) continue to discuss this game but i like what you said i was going to jump quickly because i've said it to ian i said it to michael when you said about the football intelligence of Real Madrid and you saw it live, you just have to applaud it. Because Real Madrid are not a club that's system predominantly based on their style of play. It's about football intelligence and application and will to win. You see that with all the players, how comfortable they are to play out the back, even on their byline, to trust one another, to be able to know that if I pass that ball to him, he's going to keep insecure secure it. And it's just simple football. They play like they're playing with their friends in the park. And we have to not do nothing but applaud that because their football intelligence, their choices of passes is sensational. James, are Real Madrid the best team in this Champions League? Yes or no? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't no, take the big names. Thank but you. But there is this like huge chasm <laughs> between you. City and them and everyone else. And whoever wins that, I mean, that tie will be really close. But the winner of that will be a huge, huge, huge favourite for the uh, the final. I can't see whoever wins that time, not the final.
3: James, real quickly before I let you go, obviously watching the game in person, I was very impressed. My man of the match today was Rodrigo. We got to give him a shout out. That's 15 Champions League goals for him, now one more than the great Zidane. Um, obviously the assist leading up to it, Valverde and Vinny Jr. with the assist, um, outstanding team play in the final third. But Rodrigo really stood out for me. Great composure, not only with the finish, but also the way he started that second goal on the right-hand side. It was pretty impressive. Oh, I love this guy. I mean,
0: kind of a shout-out for Edemilitao on the pass to Rodrigo in that first goal. Mm. But this, this this, guy is... It's like going back to what Nigel said. There's something about having spent all that time around these super smart players that he's learned just learned where he's kind of got some of the instincts of Benzema he's got the close control and the movement of Modric and Vinicius he he, he because they've had him for so long at such an early age it's like they've designed their own player in yeah, are perfect player in a laboratory and you know what? even in those chances in the first half as well it just there's a menace there's an aura about him I, he's great it keeps surprising me as well first time I've seen him this good in
3: the flesh though. And I've got to see quite a lot of Madrid
0: uh, over the last year and a bit because they keep knocking
3: out English teams. Brilliant stuff, James Bench. Everybody, round of applause for James Bench. We got some great comments. James, before we go, I've just got to let you know how smart our uh, followers and listeners are out here in the conversation. We've got <laughs> really? Christian saying, I can't believe that English managers still don't get still get hired by top coaches, uh, top clubs <laughs> like Chelsea. I don't remember the last time an English manager won something in Adriano with FA the next club. one came in and said, Ferguson is 19. <laughs> He's Scottish. Uh, mate, mate. He's Scottish.
0: Uh, I mean, look, you we, just, we're an American, love we're an American, our, American love channel. I know a lot of our followers will uh, think that oh, Scotland man. is part of England. <laughs> oh, man.
3: <laughs> hey, Newcastle's not even a part of England, James. All right, buddy, we're going to let you go. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything. As always, hope you... uh Uh, Get home safely tonight and great stuff. Great work this week as well, James Bench. Go follow him on his social media platforms and on the website as well. Uh, Stick around with everybody here because we're going to come back and we're going to discuss what's happening at Barcelona. Um, Not necessarily just at Barcelona, but there's a big mess happening in Spain in general. More on that when we return on House of Champions. All righty, righty, righty. Before we preview what's coming up on Wednesday in the Champions League quarterfinal second legs, let's discuss something that's happening in Spain right now. Now, our producer, Dez, is all over uh, La Liga, Spain. He was filling me in on some information as to what's happening with Barcelona and Laporta, obviously, um, having his say recently, uh, getting a, a little jab at Javier Tebas and Real Madrid, of course, as a club in general. Real Madrid responding with this uh, uh, <laughs> this video, which was pretty sensational. Uh, um, Michael Hood, it's a bit comical as to what's happening right now with Barcelona, with Real Madrid, with La Liga, with Tebas in general. I mean, this is a bit of a mess, but there's a serious, serious problem right now for Barca.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Chelsea fans, look away because your club, your your time is done in the meme section. FC Barcelona says, anything we can, you can do, we can do one step better. I can't believe that this... It's still an ongoing thing. I, I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that there's some collusion or something. But hey, we've seen it before. We see it happen in American media. We see it happen in worldwide media. It's, I didn't do it. My hand's not involved. I can't wait to get to the bottom of this. This is getting messier and messier. Each week, the headlines are Barcelona, Tebas, and now Real Madrid getting sucked in. This is becoming one big disaster.
3: Nigel, I'm not sure if you're following uh, closely. I'm not following it closely enough to to really have a a big conversation about this, but I am following it enough to know that um, Barcelona look pretty embarrassed right now. And Laporta basically coming out in the way that he has done is maybe making the situation worse for Barcelona.
2: Ian, there is no justification why you, a football club, paid money into a business that was owned by the head of the refereeing um, association of La Liga. You cannot justify, you are guilty as it comes, and you coming out like this just means there's more to it than meets the eye. Because you're coming on a defense, like, this isn't Real Madrid being attacked, Atletico Madrid, Valencia, this is Barcelona. You cannot justify any reason why, as a club, you paid money into a refereeing organization. Mm -hmm. And for me, I know people say, and use that terminology now. Oh, you know, it's 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 a false narrative, oh it's 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 false, it's lies, it's not it's lies. It's
3: thousand percent for me, it makes no sense. Like Can I ask you a are, question, Nigel? Go on. You know, a former player obviously played in a very high level. If you found out information like this, would you want to play for that club? As a former player, I think it puts a big
2: stain on that club. Because for me, again, there's no justification. You're trying to get an upper hand by doing that. Because why are you paying into a referee's company? It just makes no sense. It makes you as a club look guilty. It Mm -hmm. stains those years of success that you've had because in a way you've paid for that success and your biggest rivals don't have this scandalous or this scandal behind them. So really and truly, they've done things the right way while you've had to try and maybe pay your way for it. So it's just hard. Until you can give me a justifiable reason, which there's no justifiable reason to do that. It just Mm -hmm. stains your club tremendously.
1: You know what's going to make things look even worse, Nigel? Is if after all this, at the end of the season, Real Madrid win the Champions League and Copa del Rey, And Barcelona are eventually found guilty because I agree with you. I think they're guilty because there is no justifiable explanation for anything like that. But if your rivals do the talking on the pitch at the end of the day and you're still busy doing the talking off the pitch, your rivals have already won. And I think Madrid, the class which they're personifying in the biggest club competition in the world. Look at the conversation we had about how good they are, how good they could be. They keep getting better and better in this competition. That's the most important talking point. The tax stuff, that's for lawyers, not for presidents to be coming out pointing fingers at, at rivals and opponents.
3: Dimitrov has already won. He says, Barcelona is not a team. Barcelona is an idea, but not all ideas are great. Well said,
1: Dimitrov. <laughs> I, right, thought, yeah. I thought he was talking
3: about Chelsea there. <laughs>
1: Chelsea can't (laughs) escape it they can't (laughs) escape it
3: All right, let's turn our attention away from all the nonsense that's happening in La Liga. Let's turn our attention back to what's taking place on Wednesday. It is, of course, the quarterfinal of the Champions League. Second leg, we've got to look forward to Bayern Munich against Manchester City. City with a 3-0 advantage into Milan against Benfica. Benfica um, obviously got a a mountain to climb away from home, uh, down by two goals to nil. But first and foremost, we'll go to Bayern Munich against Manchester City. Sadio Mane back involved after his recent punishment, recent fallout, Mike. This is an interesting situation for Bayern Munich to be in. They're back at home. They're playing against Manchester City. They certainly don't want to be embarrassed by Manchester City. But my personal opinion is there's every chance Mm -hmm. of that at home.
1: I 100% agree with that opinion and that take in. I don't feel good. If you're a Bayern fan, there's not much to make you feel good about this. Look at your recent home form, whether it's the Pokal or the Bundesliga. I mean... That is not boding well for you if you're buying. You can't score goals. Yes, you get a goal here, but you're going to have to have the game of your life. You don't have a striker. And... Chopra Moting, it puts so much respect on what he's done to give them almost a false sense of security, but he's done a lot of his business in the UEFA Champions League. In the group stages, it was Leroy Sané who was flying the ship and leading the charge. Chopra Moting picked up the slack, but without him, they look lost. Serge Gnabry, he is not a center forward. Thomas Müller, we've seen him with the German national team. He is not a center forward. Manchester City, the big difference this year, they have a center forward and the best center forward in the world in Erling Haaland. Bayern Munich do not have an answer for him. And if I see Upa Meccano on the field, I'm turning the game off because it's game over.
3: Nigel, quickly on Manchester City, please, because City with Erling Haaland seem to be unstoppable right now.
2: Yeah, City have found their groove. I think for Pep Guardiola as a manager, you'd be so happy right now because they found their real strongest form. And I'm talking, when I say strongest form, I'm talking about performances. From start to finish, they've dominated like what Pep Guardiola started to establish at Manchester City. This is like a real good Manchester City team now. They're not showing tremendous vulnerability. They're showing real composure to be able to dominate a game for large periods of times. And they're also looking like a major threat for scoring goals. Jack Grealish is on form. You've got Erling Haaland. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne has got back to his best since his little... Mm -hmm. Uh, since Pep Guardiola had a little dig at him. So right now, I think Pep Guardiola would be very happy because I feel he feels that he can compete on both domestic and Champions League form. And that 3-0 lead there is a massive cushion because it's a big mountain to climb. And Michael stayed all the points of why it would be very hard for Bayern Munich. If Bayern Munich had any common sense, as Ian knows, to cause Manchester City problem, you need pace. Whoever your front three is, whatever it is, they have to have pace and they have to get forward and be willing to go direct at times to get in behind. That's the only times Manchester City have seen some problems where teams have a lot of pace up top and can hit them on a counter-attack. So if you start any of those other players with no pace, you got no chance.
3: All right, Mike, Inter Milan against Benfica. Producer Dez did the stats research for this one. Inter's last five Serie A matches, 112 shots, one goal scored from open play here. Um, but just to go back to their game against Benfica, away from home, they had nine shots, Four of them on target two goals um it's not great in syria certainly we can all see that but in europe it's kind of saving their butts right now the way they've been performed it's been pretty good
1: yeah it's behind the play of their goalkeeper andre onana he's been their standout performer in the knockout stages did it in the previous round and he seems to love playing against portuguese teams did it against fc porto doing it again against Benfica. the difference when they play in champions league they're more adventurous Runs from midfield. They look more dynamic. Mkhitaryan playing well on both sides of the ball. But Nicolo Barella, he was their standout performer, unsung hero for a lot of the first half of the season when they started getting more results in the UEFA Champions League. Remember, this is an inter-team for as up and down as they've been. They knocked out the league leaders in La Liga, Barcelona. Barcelona weren't great in Europe. I'm not giving them any credit for that, but they still had to go to the camp now and get a big result away from home. Their ability to manage the game, manage the course of the 90 minutes is why they are in this driver's seat. And they have a player who can create havoc in Romelu Lukaku, Coming off the bench, what they haven't been good at in in being more prolific in league form, Lukaku has scored a majority of their goals or been at the heart of a lot of what's happening in front of goals for him. They just need Latora Martinez and then to get up to speed.
3: Hey, before we move on to Benfica and I get your comments, Nigel, on Benfica, I just want to show you this quick video with Brozovic and Anana squaring off in training. And I can almost guarantee you, I mean, I've experienced it a few times. I know Mike has as well. Mm -hmm. Nigel, how many times has this happened to you when you're in training and all of a sudden two players go at it? It was a little, uh, they were playing Kreispiel, so like a little circle back and forth. Onana was a little late, Brozovic didn't like it, and they just kind of almost squared up to each other. We don't have the video, apologies for that, but they squared Damn, up. Damn, I wasn't to his, see the video. <laughs> nah, nah. producer Tez, apparently not on his game completely today. He was almost there, he's at 99%, but you know.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. What did you think?
3: What did you think? Oh, well, I can't say anything because I didn't see the video, so you have to go
2: to Mike for that. I didn't yeah, see I, it, but I, I love the little fisticuffs in training, yeah. don't worry about that.
1: I I saw the video. Look, if this is happening on the field during a match, then you have a problem. But bust-ups at training, there's a competitive spirit, and we've all been, whether it's been done dirty, get nutmegged, or someone's taken the piss during Rondo, there's nothing wrong about that. In the video, you don't see the coaching staff look too alarmed. Romelu Lukaku, actually, is one of the players who jumps in to keep the calm, so good on him for that. But it's two aggressive players, two competitive players. Just, hey getting their emotions and things getting riled up it happens in football
3: shows you how much work Nigel Rio Coker does to put in preparation for this show because yeah. that video was in our rundown that was uh, spent yeah. hours on by our producer Des Norris and uh, Nigel Rio Coker didn't click on I'm the I'm sorry link. mate
2: so, I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen yeah I've got three kids running around driving me nuts too as well yeah my bad
3: but I'll bet you saw the video about the masked Premier League player who's dropped a rap video <laughs> he Nigel yeah, he did. <laughs> Is it real Coker? It must be real Coker. Listen is to the hot. voice. It's a deep he's... tone? Nights, come on, explain this. Who is this? I have no
2: idea, but I know he's from London. I can tell by the flow and the and the apartments. Yeah, <laughs> that's a London flow, definitely. You said definitely you said, from
1: London. You said South like, London, yeah. What's up? I didn't say South London. I say he's from London somewhere. Okay, okay. But my my guess. My guess, and we did it with the 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 mass player and. Unlike the mass player, this guy is not fifteen thousand stones because that guy has definitely been eating some paella and drinking sangria. I'm going Jaden Sancho, man. I've seen too much of his hip hop nah. flow. Always posting nah. videos, hip hop in the background. Jaden Sancho is my guess.
3: I doubt it. No chance. He's too shy, man. No chance. Yeah,
2: yeah I don't and think Jaden Sancho. I, I I, Ivan Tony was a great shout by someone, in you know, I agree. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe with Ivan Tony or what or, or yeah. kid or
3: someone from Palace. It's got to be someone yeah. from mm, Palace. That's a good shout. Um, all right that was the video from this apparent D-Day or died or whatever he's calling himself who is apparently a Premier League player or a mass Premier League player but before we do go we do have to just touch upon the fact that Benfica are in that game against Inter Milan and we do have some Benfica followers with us here and um, Boris is clearly believing that Benfica will turn us around and then Air Gaming 15 says and as Benficista fan I have full hope and Gandalf once said Lord of the Rings that they can qualify they need to make their best game of the season so far tomorrow so your thoughts on that Nigel and Mike before we get out of here Nigel
2: quick one for me I think that Benfica still have a chance I'm going I think I really do believe they have a real big chance it's only one nil this can be their cup final for their season they're the younger team all they need to do is learn from the first leg again the experience of Inter Milan showed in the first leg two big match winners is this Roman Lukaku and Ramos for Benfica which one of those two stands up big wins this game but I think Benfica yep. have a chance
1: yeah, I think for Benfica, what they did in the first leg that they need to learn from is they were a bit naive. They threw so many numbers forward because you're at home. They didn't manage the moments enough. And they're a team that's going to, it's high stakes poker. And you don't blame them because they've scored a lot of goals in this tournament. But I think they're a bit too narrow. So many players, Mm -hmm. wide players, coming narrow, crowding out the midfield. That suits Inter very well. Inter play a back five. If they do that, Inter will hit them on the counter. But if Benfica get that early goal, we know what the Sancero can be like when things don't go Inter's way. We've seen the fans turn on him. The pressure will go up, and Benfica will come back. Whoever gets that first goal gets the tie.
3: Yeah, first goal is massive, obviously. If Benfica get an early goal in the first half, it'll make it a fantastic game. I have a feeling that discipline is going to come into play here. If Inter mm-hmm. Milan control their discipline, they should, in my personal opinion. And it's not just about picking up yellow cards or red cards. I'm talking about being disciplined defensively. Don't get too carried away with the moment. You've got an opportunity to play a Milan derby in a court, in a semi final of uh, a Champions League. That puts pressure on your shoulders immediately, and you can do some stupid things. As we all know, we've all been impressed with situations, especially out there on the pitch. Um, Nigel certainly lost his. His head more than all of us but at the same time it's very easy to do stuff like that in big games and i hope that discipline remains in effect and we see a great game tomorrow nigel you're thinking benfica can come back don't you you think they can go through i really do
2: i, I think benfica can
3: come I see back it. i really do i hope i hope we get a great game that's all i hope for hey yeah. listen thanks to you boys great work this week we'll see you again tomorrow uh back wednesday 5 p.m eastern or post uh, champions league games please make sure you join myself um nigel mike you'll be there as well won't you oh, Yeah. yeah Ah, the mainstays of the show. Forget the (laughs) Europeans who love a glass of wine at night and decide to skip the show. We appreciate Jonathan Johnson and James Spenge as well for joining the show. Um, And also a big shout-out to our producer, Des, who dropped the ball on that video just a little bit there, but... (laughs) put it together a tremendous show for us as always we love you producer Des. everybody out there thank you so much for listening to House of Champions take a minute to leave us a rating and review in your favorite podcast platform available on Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher and anywhere else you listen to your podcast so make sure that you go and download and listen and leave those comments we're also available as videos so subscribe to us on YouTube the comments make a big difference to all of us if you're enjoying the show join in the conversation but after the show before the show or you're just checking out other shows leave a comment it. makes the world of difference to us as we continue to grow and try to get the best guests as possible. And of course we can possibly try to keep Nigel Rio Coker on board because his salary is so large. <laughs> Boys it's love you always. See you tomorrow 5 p.m. <laughs> Eastern after the Champions League games and see you then. Spread the word people. We love you guys.